Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 84. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here on the MCAT Podcast, as well as many other pre-med podcasts, which you can find at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. Today, we're starting off a four-week series on psych and soch, a subject that a lot of students struggle with because it is very specific in what you need to know. And I like psych and soch because these are ones that I can just use a little bit of critiquing and knowledge and and using those critical thinking skills and, and analysis to help me break down some of the questions, especially the ones that are a little bit more biology-focused, which are included in psychology, which a lot of students don't know. So we're going to start off here with psych, some biology questions, and we're going to go from there. All right, Brian, so we've covered a lot of science these last several weeks. So let's dive into some psych for these next few weeks and uh, see if we can get our hands dirty with some psychology. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. You know, what we've got lined up o- over the next few weeks is a bunch of psych practice. And, uh, well, you know, one of the things that we always emphasize here is is how kind of um, cross-disciplinary the MCAT is. And the psychology section uh, does include biology. So what I wanted to look at uh, today was some very bio-focused psych questions. And then next week, maybe transition from the bio aspects to the more kind of classical psych and then do a little more of that and then transition uh, from the kind of typical psyche into sociology, just so we get kind of a, a good array, a good sampling of the social science section over the next few weeks. Do you ever hear from students that do poorly or who who do poorly on the psych section and they go, wow, I didn't know there was so much biology. That's what got me. Um, it, well, yes, because I hear everything. Right? I mean, we we work with enough students here that we hear students say there was more of this, there was less of this than I expected. Um, I, I was surprised by X. I was surprised by Y, um, because the students fall for that trap of thinking like, oh, all I have to do is study these high yield topics and I'm good to go. Uh, and one of the things we're always telling students about the MCAT is, you know, with the sole exception of amino acids there's really no such thing as a high yield topic, right? Like if you want to do well on any of the science sections, you've got to know everything. Got to really cover your bases. Yeah. All right. So let's start here with question one. And since there's some biology stuff here, maybe maybe I'll remember some of this stuff. 
says, mm-hmm. which sequence best describes the pathway used to transmit auditory information in humans? A, cochlea, to the organ of cordy, to the medial geniculate nucleus, to the auditory cortex. B, organ of cordy, to the cochlea, to the auditory cortex, to the medial geniculate nucleus. C, cochlea, to the organ of cordy, to the auditory cortex, to the medial geniculate nucleus. Or D, organ of cordy, to the cochlea, to the medial geniculate nucleus, to the auditory cochlea, or auditory cortex. So, um, I'm going to, based on anatomy, if, if I remember anatomy, everything starts at the cochlea, right? We, the sound, if we're talking normal um, sound coming through airwaves, enters our ear through our tympanic membrane into the cochlea mm-hmm. um, through the, the malleus incus and stapes. Um, so cochlea has to go first. That's what I'm mm-hmm. going to say. So it's either A or C. I'll get rid of B or D. And then from there, organ, and, oh, organ of cordia is both the second one, so that must be right. And then it's either medial geniculate nucleus to auditory cortex or auditory cortex to medial geniculate nucleus. And I'm going to say that auditory cortex is last on the list. So I'm going to go with A. Perfect. And that was that was uh, textbook perfect reasoning for the MCAT, right? That, that um, you used one fact to narrow it down. Uh, and then eliminated stuff that was the same in the remaining answer choices, uh, and then got it right. So that that was perfect. Nice. Yeah. MCAT, okay, here let, I come. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the next question. Uh, Weber's law can be applied to, A, sound, as when a constant 30 decibel tone is played in an, e- in an individual's ear. B, weight, as when two study participants each hold a steel bar that have different masses or C visual stimuli as when a man attempts to distinguish between images at different brightness levels or D uh, a B and C all of the above are true. And so Weber's law, Ryan, if we talked about that in the past, do you remember that? Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it. I, I know Weber's and um, the other the other dudes um, doing sound transmission stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't so know if we've we'll, talked about it. Yeah, so Weber's law can be applied to sound, although in this case, um, not the way sound is described here. So Weber's yeah. law is relates to what we call the just noticeable difference, meaning if I present to you two different stimuli – Will you say that's the same thing or will you tell me, oh, this stimulus is more or less intense than the other stimulus? Um, So for A, with just a constant 30 decibel tone, um, that doesn't work, right? Because you have to have two different tones Mm -hmm. uh, to detect the different loudness of the two different tones. Um, And B doesn't work because it said two different participants are each holding their weight, but Weber's law is about a single person distinguishing between two different stimuli. So B is that as well, which means the right answer here is C, a visual stimulus when the participant tries to distinguish between images at different brightness levels. So one observer, two different stimuli, can the person tell the difference? That's Weber's law. Interesting. So Weber's law could be anything in that realm? 
Yeah, theoretically, anything that, you know, the human organs of, of sensation can attempt to distinguish between. And the basis of Weber's law says that the differences are per, um, proportional, not absolute. So this could be touch, pressure, weight, vibration, sound, brightness, color. I mean, literally anything that you can distinguish between. Uh, and the idea here is that if I were to give you, for example, Ryan, two very small objects, um, you know, each of which weighs, you know, less than half a pound, right? L little things fit in your hand. And if one is 10% heavier than the other, let's, let's just say I made up 10%. If one is 10% heavier than the other, you'll be able to tell the difference. Mm. Even though that 10% might only be a couple of ounces, you'll be able to tell it. Then I could give you two enormous blocks, one of which weighed 30 pounds and one of which weighed 32 pounds. And you would say, well, that's a two-pound difference, right? With the little weights, I was able to tell two ounces. Of course, I can tell two pounds. But Weber's Law would say, no, you can't because you pick up the 30 and then you, you, you lean over again, lift, lift with your legs, not with your back as you kind of scrunch <laughs> down. And then you pick up the 32 and you would say that the 30 and the 32 are the same as each other because the difference between them is less than the 10%. So Weber's law, it's not absolute, it's proportional differences that we notice. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like it. Now I know, I've always, I always thought Weber's was, was specific to what we're doing with our, our uh, tuning forks. But yeah, no, it, it, the different hertz, right? Yeah. yeah, no, with pitch, it's just one of them, yeah. Yeah, all right. Question four, and just a reminder, if you want these handouts, this is session 84 of the MCAT podcast. So you can go to the MCATpodcast.com slash 84 and get the handouts there. So this is question four. Which of these scenarios exemplifies the process of sensory adaptation? A, a steel worker wears thicker gloves to work after noticing calluses on his hands. B, a flight attendant gradually overcomes his fear of heights as his flight hours increase. C, a pastry chef begins to stop noticing the appetizing and distracting smell of pastries in her kitchen. Or D, a child starts to associate the smell of her dog with affection rather than fear. So sensory adaptation. I'm going to take that. Um, I, I don't know if there's a specific definition that I need to know for sensory adaptation, but I'm going to assume that's going to be C, where a pastry chef begins to stop noticing the smell. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely right. So sensory, right, we want to remember that that's um, just kind of the, the raw data getting inputted uh, into your face, all right, <laughs> just uh, the data coming in. Um, as opposed to perception, which then starts to involve higher cognitive processes, right? What you choose to pay attention to, your culturally preconceived notions, right? Perception operates on a much higher level. Sensation is a very kind of raw biological mechanical thing. And so sensory adaptation is just an unconscious process, right? The, the, the relevant organs just stop responding to a particular kind of stimulus. So, uh, you know, unlike the child who starts to associate the smell of the dog with, with comfort rather than fear, you know, you see a word like association, that's a learning process. That's not a just kind of unconscious adaptation. And so the pastry chef just stops smelling the, the food in the kitchen, right? Because the, there's just less response from the relevant, uh, sense organs. It's like, uh, 
you, you walk into a smoker's house if you're a non-smoker, the, the smell just hits you, but the smoker's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't smell anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My wife is so paranoid about that because we have a couple of dogs, and every time she walks in the house after work, she's always kind of sniffing. Does my house smell like dog? <laughs> I swore to you, Brian, I would never let you get a dog. I didn't want my house to smell like dog. Of course, now she loves them, right? <laughs> she's uh, she's upset when they don't come running to greet her after work, but she definitely is aware of that. You know, if you you li- you live somewhere with animals, you stop smelling them too. All right, there you have it. Again, some psychology for you. This is week one of psychology. The next couple weeks, we'll dig into more psych and then soch to go from there. So hopefully this was helpful for you. And as we go on, you'll see that I struggle more and more with different subjects and topics as they get more and more specific in the knowledge that you have to know. And that's what makes psych and soch very hard for a lot of students. If you didn't know, Next Step Test Prep, who I do this podcast with, they have an MCAT course. They used to be known for their one-on-one tutoring, and that is what they are known for. But then last year, they came out with an MCAT course that a lot of students are loving. When you sign up for the course, you get access to over 100 hours of videos. You get access to all 10 of their full lengths. You get access to all of the AAMC material, and you get access to 10 hours a week of live office hours, 10 hours where you can jump on Skype or whatever software they use and actually talk to their tutors, talk to the tutors who made the course, the ones that know all of the information. If you didn't know, I created a review of their MCAT course, which you can find on YouTube. Just search for MCAT or search for Next Step MCAT course review and you'll see me there talking about the course and and doing a walkthrough of it. If you're interested in the course, go check it out, nextstepmcat.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money when you sign up for the course or anything else at Next Step. Thanks, Next Step, for being part of this amazing podcast with me here. Hopefully you get some benefits of these podcasts. I got an email recently from a student saying, I binge listened to the MCAT podcast the last couple weeks of my MCAT prep, and I scored a 516 or something like that. So I I will take all of the credits with Next Step for his 516, but I'm sure it was just a little cherry on top. So hopefully we're helping you here for your MCAT prep. Join us next week here for another psych social section for these next couple weeks. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast.